We have a little update here. Some have been wondering. Many had grown concerned that the current reality of face unlock exclus exclusivity would uh, would be a thing that we were going to have to live with for a long period of time. And uh, it appears that 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 concern might not might not be necessary because we've been talking about the potential for some sort of touch-based unlock for iOS users, for iPhone users in the next generation. iPhone 13 models likely now to have Touch ID under the display. I don't know why Apple has resisted this particular feature because it's actually been there for a while now on the Android side. And... You can do it in conjunction with Face ID. It doesn't necessarily have to be one or the other. Mm -hmm. Now, the only strange bit here is that when they put out that new iPad, they put the Touch ID into the power switch. Mm -hmm. And so some were saying, okay, that's fine. Let's just do that and skip over the in-display unlock mm -hmm. or not utilize it at all. Because the problem with going with in-display now is that it's a bit late to the party to the point that all everything you might say in the keynote might feel a little bit dated mm. as far as why it should be in the display and embedded. And the fact that I'll say just from my experience, I tend to find the dedicated buttons to just be a little bit more responsive than the in-display. That's just my experience. Mm. Granted, I could get used to either method of unlock. The main thing here, the big thing here is to have some versatility in how you unlock the device, not just one way, but multiple ways, which is something that I do on every device that I use. Yes. Except for the iPhone. Because you, you, it's Face ID or unlock with the code. Do you use Face ID? Well, you, you rarely can nowadays. Because the most common, I'll tell you, the most common or critical Face ID situation for me would be on paying for something. Hmm. But it, it doesn't work at all with the mask. Zero. But do you use it to unlock your phone? Yeah, so long as I'm not in public. Right. Right. But the thing is, when I'm in, when I'm in a private situation, it's less of a speed uh, consideration. If I'm in a private situation and I got to type the password, let's say, I don't know, it missed the face unlock. It would be annoying. But when you're trying to pay for something and all the, the whole OS is centered around this idea mm -hmm. of double tap and then bang, you're paying. You have to double tap, go into the payment thing, and since you have Face ID enabled, it wants to try that first. It fails, then you click pay with passcode, uh -huh. and then you put in the passcode, and it's, you do it a lot, because we exclusively yeah. pay with our phones now. Mm -hmm. I'm talking at the drive-through, I'm talking, I got the people behind, and I'm taking that extra second. And they, I know they're clocking me. Yeah. You go to a certain drive-through sometimes, you'll notice a little clock over there. And each customer, they're tracking performance, like how, how quickly can we get a customer in and out? Uh -huh. And so now I know in the present times with Face ID operating the way it might be with the with the mask, it could be slowing down all these operations. Mm. And we can't right. have that. Anyway, yeah. it's not it's not a big deal. It's, it's, uh, Quite a predicament there. You no, know, it's not that big of a deal. It's, it's uh, everybody can make do with the state of things the way that they are. But this is obviously better. This report, by the way, Barclays analyst Andrew Gardner and three of his colleagues likely 
iPhone 13 likely now to feature fingerprint scanner embedded under the display. Now, I remember we were talking about the the button version, the power button version, and then we saw how there was some sort of report that said, no way, it's not going to happen, not on the 13. Hmm. And maybe this is why, because they go all the way to the end display. Now, I don't know what Apple could do as far as their implementation is concerned, if it would be any different than what we're seeing on devices from Samsung and all across Android with in-display unlock. Do they have a special animation? Is there a special vibration? Is there, can they do it faster, potentially? Can they do it with an extra layer of security from what we're used to seeing? I don't know what the limitations are there from a technology perspective, but it would make sense to add even more to it since you are late. You could say, but we did it better, right? Like that could be an advantage. Now, you're an in-display guy, Will. Yeah, I, I use it. And Although, I use the S20, and uh, it uses the face scan more so than me touching the fingerprint sensor. You have them both enabled? I do, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The face scan, I... Wait, like, you have the S20 or S21? S20. S20 regular? Yes. So, the optical-based... So, you have... Uh, the little pinhole camera, which you see your face. Yeah. That's then, fast, but it's not that secure. Yes. You're aware of this. And then the ultrasonic fingerprint sensor. Correct. In display. Yeah. Um, I use it both. Which one do you find using more? Um, the face scan. Yeah. Because it's automatic. It's fast. Yeah. The optical-based face scan is fast, but there are security yeah. disadvantages. So that's something to keep in mind. But it is about time that Apple users... Uh, have the opportunity to experience what that's like to have two separate unlock features working yep. at the same time. Mm-hmm. They get yeah, to live that life. It's better. Yep. It's just better to have two two options for that. Today's sponsor is ExpressVPN. Does it make sense that the same company who controls half of online retail also passively eavesdrop eavesdrops on your private conversations at home? Does that make sense to you, Will? I don't think so. What about the idea that a single company controls 90% of the internet searches, runs your email service, and gets to track everything you do on your smartphone? I, I don't know. Am I not supposed to mention the company in this particular read? I don't think I'm supposed to mention but you know which company we're talking about here. Yeah. Big tech is more powerful than most countries are, and they profit by exploiting your personal data. It's time to put a layer of protection between your online activity and these tech juggernauts, and that's why we use ExpressVPN. Now, we've used the example in the past, Will. We said uh, uh, we, we said you don't, go to, you don't go to the toilet with the door open. That was in their previous copy. Sure. Well, maybe, you probably do if you're alone. Uh-huh, yeah. I mean, I'm guilty of doing such a thing. Oh, okay. I meant in like, a, in like a public, I meant around here, like at work. You know, you can't be doing something like that. No, no. That's not going to go over well. There's going to be complaints. It, Mo's going to mention it, you know. Yeah, he'll call you out. He would he would come to me privately and say, "You notice what Will's been doing?" Me? <laughs> yeah. He would come to me privately and you're say, "Talking about yourself." No, 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 no. It would, obviously, it would be you that would do something like that. He say, "You notice what Will's been doing?" Yeah, I right. mean, I, I I like the guy and everything, but the truth is, uh, I just feel like this can't go. I'm very uncomfortable. Is what he would say to me. I'm very, sure, it's making but. me it's making me very uncomfortable, and I, then I would have to deal with it. Uh, anyway. That's what it's like surfing the internet without a VPN. That's what it's like. That's what you're doing. You're exposing yourself. Yeah. All the smells. And you're exposing yourself. Wafting into Every, the All that. All that nasty room. stuff. Exactly. Yeah, you don't want that. 
So that's cool. That's what if a VPN is going to protect you in that sense. It's going to add that extra layer of security. But also something I like, it's no more restrictions as far as streaming services are concerned because now you can select your you can select your location and unlock all kinds of content that's regional, whether that's on Netflix for a particular region, uh, BBC, Prime Video, YouTube, HBO. You'd be you'd be amazed how much stuff is regional. Every so often, I'll even pop into a YouTube video. It's like, oh, yeah, not available in your region. Mm. A YouTube video from a big network. This will happen sometimes. Oh. Now, obviously, if you're running ExpressVPN, no big deal. You pop on the US, uh, you connect to the US server, boom real fast and you don't even notice it like as far as your as far as you're concerned it's the actual interface with mm. the with the content is identical see they say that it's a, it's an accelerated vpn look at that enjoy the power of unlimited bandwidth vpn built for speed find out why we're named express vpn you see express means fast well mm. so that's a key anyway uh, if if you're one of these people that's out there and you got the door open on your internet and uh, and and you, and everybody's sniffing around and seeing everything that you're up that you're up to. You might want to consider getting yourself some ExpressVPN. Stop handing over your personal data to the big tech monopoly that mines your activity and sells your information. Protect yourself with a VPN. I trust to keep me safe online. Visit expressvpn.com/lulater. That's e x p r e s s v p n dot com slash lulater to get three extra months free. Expressvpn.com/lulater. Or click the link down in the description. Don't forget the slash Lou later for three extra months free. Apple Apple lawsuit here shows the company's extreme focus on secrecy, which that's kind of in the same, kind of like what we're talking about with the VPN. Mm-hmm. Apple, big privacy, privacy people. Yeah, their doors are always closed. Privacy company. That's right. Actually, the door automatically closes. Yeah. On the, all the bathrooms in Cupertino. No one smelling Tim. No. You're not even, it's not impossible because yeah. you walk through the door, it's like Star Trek. It just uh-huh. sealed, airtight. Yep. That's how Apple likes to operate. I mean, every so often you have some sort of a hack or something, but very rarely they just can't stop talking about privacy. And one of the ways in which they're incredibly private is around their employees and the sharing of information around upcoming products like there this the the secretive nature extends beyond the end user and what you're getting inside your software mm-hmm. and to how they operate even internally yeah like it's a uh, it's very intense and anyway they they sued a former employee in federal court in California on Thursday alleging that he passed trade secrets about unannounced products to a member of the media was it you will you um, catching those trades? It was either secrets? me or Ming Chi. Mm. One or the other. I can't confirm. Or it's the same guy. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying we didn't see it, those people in the same place. Yeah. Ever before. That's what that's what people say. When. Yeah. No, I'm. I, I, of course, there's Ming Chi, and it's not Willie Do, but Willie Do could very well be this member of the media. I don't know. He could be under investigation. Apple refused to name the media correspondent. However, if uh, if it is one of those big time leaker types, you could imagine that now that that, that funnel could be shut off. Mm-hmm. The the river flowing with the trade secrets and upcoming products and things like this could make could make leak life a little harder. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure they got multiple sources. Yeah. I'm sure they got other ways to go with it. 
so hard with a company to scale of Apple, keep everything under wraps, so many employees, yeah. so many different regions. Quite impressive, actually. So many contractors working on behalf of the thing, and it's just... Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, so they're gonna, they take a step further, and you know, one of these things is, look, Apple, they don't need to sue this, they don't need this money or anything like that. This is to send a message. You're going to be ruined if you mess with us. You think you're going to break our agreement, uh, NDA, whatever it is. You think you're going to break our agreement, talk to the media, and then you're not going to, it's not going to hurt you. It's not enough to just fire you. We're going to sue you. Mm-hmm. And it's within their, the realm of the their capability because the individual signed the agreement that that was part of the rules of working there. But now this sends the message to everybody else. This reminds me. Reminds me when Wesley Snipes went to jail for tax evasion. You remember, you know who Wesley Snipes is? Yeah. Uh, Blade? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> it, sure. You like that reference? He, uh, I don't, well, I don't I know. I was thinking uh, Demolition Man. Demolition, sure. Yeah. I, I just remember reading that around that time, there were people saying, wow, these Wesley Snipes, they're not going to, he'll pay a fine. They're not going to make him go to jail or they're not, it's not going to be so severe as punishment. And then. All of a sudden, it was severe, the punishment, and people started to say, okay, maybe they're trying to send a message hmm. because now they ha- here they have a high-profile example. And so it works in both ways, that they, they're able to punish the individual and send the message to anybody else thinking of doing something similar. Hmm. In November of 2019, Eris Composites announced that it had hired Lancaster. This is the individual being accused. Apple considers details about unreleased products to be important trade secrets. Because they're a core part of the company's marketing uh, aimed at, compre- uh, at creating surprise and delight. Well, that can't happen when you have a leak. There right. goes your surprise and delight. Mm-hmm. Apple product teams work in complete secrecy often for years. That would be tough. You don't even tell your family what you're up to. You don't even, it's, it's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Secret Apple information. I, I remember reading even with inside the company. You couldn't talk to people that were working in some other division about what you're working on. You couldn't even be in the lunchroom and be like, hey, how are things going over there in the project? You can't even... Yeah, a lawyer's right beside you. That's right. They follow you around no matter where you go. Anyway, so we'll see what happens in this case. Uh, I'm sure that there will be a defense mounted and we'll see what, what happens. But I'm guessing Apple probably has some pretty strong evidence, possibly emails, messages, who knows what they have that they're going to be able to draw on. Pete Lau, he teased the IMX 766 and IMX 789 sensors for the OnePlus 9 Pro. You recall, Will, that uh, he was saying himself, OnePlus is about to take the camera very seriously. It's all about the camera. And they're no longer going to be lackluster in that department. But instead, they're going to lead in that department. I mean, he didn't use these words, but they signed a deal. They spent money with Hasselblad. Mm-hmm. And now it's got to pay. The deal's got to pay. Otherwise, what's the point? Yep. And the way for it to pay is for the performance to be there. Now, it's funny because you're talking about the Sony sensors that are in there, but you signed the deal with Hasselblad. Right. But the Sony sensors, we all we all know that's some top-tier stuff, and we, you wouldn't expect all of a sudden Hasselblad to be start working on a smartphone sensor. Apparently, their involvement has more to do with the ultra wide lens mm-hmm. and uh, the processing of the image. In other words, some decisions around picture profile and the way colors are represented and so on. 
ultra wide, ultra clear Sony IMX 766. Now the reason you're mentioning they're mentioning two is because obviously you're going to have the the Pro model. The Pro model will be housing a custom developed Sony IMX 789, while the ultra wide will use the Sony IMX 766. The main sensor has a dual native ISO, full pixel omnidirectional autofocus, 4K video at 120 FPS, and real-time HDR video processing. Uh, the the IMX 766 for the ultra-wide will sit underneath the freeform lens. That's the collaboration with Hasselblad, yeah. which will reduce distortion from 20% to about 1%. And just a quick recap on a distortion thing that I was talking about uh, on a previous episode. You when you have when you get to the ultra wide focal length, all of a sudden you start to see this fishbowl effect start to play out on the edges of the frame. Uh, you can go into software after the fact and attempt to flatten that out to remove the distortion. But that's something that a lot of people don't end up doing because it's not really the way we take photos and share rapidly. So to have this happen, not even necessarily in software, but with this freeform lens to bring to bring distortion down to 1%, it's really big. You're going to shoot these super wide angle photos mm -hmm. that don't have that strange stuff over in the corners, yep. but instead look like a flat image. And then the other thing to mention is often you see a sensor skimp take place on the ultra wide camera that's on on a on a smartphone like the the ultra wide will be an afterthought they'd be like okay the main camera unit we're going to put a lot of attention in mm. but then as far as the ultra wide is concerned you can deal with whatever you get right not so much here because you still have an IMX 766 um sensor in there underneath that ultra wide lens so anyway point being is well, we're going to have to wait and see, but just the amount of talk around a camera, it kind of sounds for real. I know all manufacturers do it, but you keep doubling down on that as the CEO. You keep on tweeting about it, and all of a sudden, you, you start to wonder, okay, maybe they really got something. Mm -hmm. We'll find out. We'll find out actually really soon, next couple of weeks or whatever. A week? week and a bit. Yeah. One more thing on a OnePlus 9. They could bring back a classic back cover design and i don't know if you remember this i don't think you have you've really haven't really used oneplus devices as far as the pocket is concerned you're more of a samsung i see you constantly gravitate towards samsung or uh you've had the pixel yeah it's one of these two sure anyway the early oneplus devices and some of their accessory cases had this finish on it called sandstone and it's this speckled, gritty, very unique finish that I haven't really seen other companies attempt. Some people love it. Some people hate it. It's it very divided. Well, because it it kind of feels like sandpaper a little bit, but you get tremendous grip because of it. I see. As you might imagine. On a case, it's kind of a different story because obviously you can swap it out. It's less of a commitment. But the rumor here is that they're going to bring it back for the OnePlus 9. Un they will be unveiled March 23rd, as I mentioned, very soon. The latest details to become public prematurely revolve around the colors. We have a few renders of the OnePlus flagships, and some of the, some of the de designs look familiar, except 
What you're going to notice as you flick through, you see a silver model there. You see a kind of a nice green, actually. I don't know. You might like it, Will. It's like a kind of like a... Actually, it was like Apple's green that they had that one year. Yeah. Maybe there's a little more blue in this green. What did Apple call it? Midnight green. But this this green may have a little more blue, but it's kind of military. It's kind of subdued. Uh, I don't mind it, is what I'll say on that. And then when you get to the black model, I guess people are thinking they're picking up some texture on there. Although it doesn't quite look like sandstone to me. Not what I'm seeing right there. Maybe like a... A close-up look version? at the black model reveals that it's equipped Ooh, with what looks like grippy, rough texture. A return to the sandstone design that used to make OnePlus phones so unique? I don't think so. I don't think I would say sandstone. I mean, it's obviously very hard to say based on this image. Is it smoother, maybe? Uh, it could be an in-between, a hybrid. Yeah. A hybrid, so to speak. So it's not so sandpapery. Maybe, maybe, yeah, an homage to the original without being so distinctive, it's possible. There's been so much talk about black smartphones because of what Samsung started with this phantom stuff. Remember that video, the promo video, black is not black. You've never seen black. Our phone is the first one that's ever black. It's phantom black. It just got the whole conversation you going. You said the commercial. I think, I don't know, maybe I referenced. The commercial was much more intense than that untold stories phantom black and they're in iceland and they're like we tried every black they're like we tried we tried everything yeah and yeah it's kind of a funny commercial but they ended up with something very simple in order to achieve what they achieved but people seem to like it and so start a whole new conversation because well it's one of those things that the the one of the market leaders apple isn't really doing right now is like a deep black color so I think that's another reason why Samsung made a big deal of it because it's kind of actually hard to find a nice black smartphone that isn't some kind of gray or charcoal, but black. So we'll see what OnePlus brings to the table, but it, it does definitely look like there is a different finish only on the black model and the blue and the green and the violet and whatever else is over there, I guess silver, they, they look to be more shimmery. And something different comes for the black one. Tesla has now delayed new Model S Plaid Plus orders to mid-2022. Uh-oh. That's the Plaid Plus, to be clear. That's not the regular Plaid. So they had originally stated end of 2021. And so to move to mid-2022 is not all that crazy, but it did happen fairly quickly. As you know, the rumor here is that we have the new battery technology. I don't even think it's a rumor at this point. New battery tech in there, which gives you that tremendous range, 520 plus miles, supposedly in this Plaid Plus version. Zero to 60, under two seconds. Uh, what else did it have on it? It had quarter mile, quarter mile at like nine seconds or something, something crazy. Or Was that right? Under 10 seconds, that's for sure. Uh, anyway, and look, this is, I can't say I'm surprised by this, the delay here. I was skeptical when I saw, I'm still skeptical on the regular Plaid non-plus because they said March. And I'm looking at this, I'm looking at the uh, calendar here. I see March 12th and I haven't heard anything on my order. So I'm a little bit skeptical. 
And then you see some with the Plaid Plus getting pushed back even further. Now, it could just be that they received so many orders, they started to push back the next ones, and, and maybe they're not right. pushing everything back. But I'm not holding out hope to see, to personally see a, a Plaid Plus in 2021. Hmm. I, I don't, I don't, I'd be surprised, let's put it that way, to see a Plaid Plus in 2021. Right. Tesla's delayed the new Model S Plaid Plus reservations to mid-2022. It was updated, including a $10,000 price increase on the Model S Plaid Plus. That's interesting. I got I got a deposit put in. So I wonder what happens to me. We're going to find out. Yeah. They just send you an email saying that uh, you just need to pay an extra huh. 10 grand. No, no, maybe not with the money, but I, as well as the reservation, like if they if they're even still aiming at the same timeline or not. Mm. I guess I could reach out. I can send an email and see exactly what the status is. Uh, but yeah, it's like huh, it's not a surprise. I mean, making cars is hard. We talked about it before. Tesla has had delays in the past. We talked about it before. It's kind of to be expected at this point. And I thought it was ambitious. The original timeline, mm. I thought that was ambitious. So. No surprise. One more thing about Tesla. I don't know if you recall a recent story where we were showing off that st giant stamping machine that Tesla had at the Fremont facility there mm. on the outside of the facility because it was so huge. Yeah. And it was trying to, they were trying to find a better efficiency uh, as far as trying to, trying to have fewer separate stations and parts and do do more at one particular spot there it is the the gigapress it's so big that they it can't fit indoors so they had to put a little roof on it tesla's giant stamping machine believed to be the world's biggest caught on fire at the fremont factory today no one was injured but the incident is likely to affect production is that the reason the delay came in there yeah. I mean, I'm not certain. We previously reported Tesla is now producing the Model Y with one giant rear underbody that used to be made of 70 parts. Holy moly. So maybe this is going to affect the Model Y more so. This is the very first Gigapress, which was installed at the Fremont factory. And funny enough, I remember reading some of the comments on the original post highlighting it people are saying there's a reason other automakers don't do things this way mm. as you can see with this giant fire maybe maybe there's some complexities with this or maybe it's unrelated i don't know obviously it has a clamping force of 55,000 to 61,000 kilonewtons you know you heard that term before no oh my god it sounds powerful <laughs> i mean it is powerful it's a 5600 to 6200 TF. Man. Tesla has introduced another one of those massive machines at the Fremont, California-based factory in September. So I guess they got more than one. One of them, though, caught fire. So that's going to cut your mm. potential production in half. They determined the cause was molten aluminum and hydraulic fluid. Well, that makes sense. That would cause problems for you. Molten aluminum. Yeah. I think if you have a stamping machine, though, you got to get kind of... I think you get used to molten aluminum. Oh, it's yeah. a daily part of it's daily operation over there. Anyway, yeah, we'll see what the effect of that is long term. But I'm sure they'll sort it out and fix it up. PlayStation 5 is the fastest selling console in US history for dollar sales. You're not surprised. No. I mean, it's probably because of the bots, right? 
The MPD Group released its monthly report covering best-selling consoles, video games, and more for February 2021 in the U.S. The Nintendo Switch leads the charge as the best-selling console for the month, with the PS5 behind it in second. However, the PS5 did overtake a record previously held by the Switch when it became the fastest-selling console in, the U- in U.S. history after the MPD Group tracked total dollar sales after four months in the market. Total dollar a, uh, a switch is not as much money. Uh-huh. Total dollar. How about the switch though? Hanging in there. Yeah. Moving units. Yeah, anyway, uh, pl- there for sure. Once you once you adjust for dollar value though, it's kind of tricky because do you adjust for for inflation? Because obviously, earlier units. If we're talking about oh I don't know Game Boy or Super Nintendo or uh, whatever else or even the early PlayStations, they would have been a lot less because prices in general would have been a lot less back then. So let's see if they reference that. February 2021 consumer spending across video game hardware, content, and accessories reached a February record, $4.6 billion, which is 35% higher compared to a year ago. Year-to-date spending totaled $9.3 billion, which is almost 40% higher than the same period in 2020. So people, I mean, we know this. The video We're game, just staying at home. Video game Support. industry just flying right now. Uh, even video game accessory spending reached 195 million in February. So yes, people are staying home. They're buying consoles, and and absolutely none of the makers of these goods, hardware or software, are complaining. There's no complaints over mm-hmm. here. <laughs> Twitter Spaces is going to launch publicly next month, and it may include Spaces-only tweets. This is the answer to Clubhouse. This is the rival to Clubhouse. Twitter was obviously obviously became very interested in figuring out what Clubhouse was was up to over there. And the interesting part for me about all of it was that Clubhouse, whenever anything was going on on Clubhouse, people were talking about what was going on on Clubhouse on Twitter. Mm. Like at least in my feed. Right. People be on Twitter saying yo, check out this clubhouse or I'm going to be on clubhouse later. Uh-huh. And so then you realize, hmm, opportunity for Twitter. Because mm-hmm. everybody's got a Twitter profile. All these prominent people who who were sitting there in clubhouse having a time, there's not a single one who doesn't have a Twitter profile. And it works on Android. And it works on Android, which clubhouse hasn't figured out yet. Yeah. Twitter Spaces, the social network's clubhouse rival, is working towards a public launch in April. That's not far off company announced in comments made uh, on Twitter, in, a, in a, actually a Twitter space audio room on Wednesday. What a place to announce such a thing. Very soon, the Twitter employee noted, that's where we're headed. Now, we talked recently about that focus on Android. There are still limitations. If you do have access to spaces on Android, you cannot host a room, or at least the last time we talked about it. What we're talking about here is a full-out rollout, full-on, full-out rollout. Nicely said for both iOS and Android. And I think it's going to be big. I think it's going to do well. And it's going to be a problem for Clubhouse. I mean, I don't know which other way to say it because like I said to you previously, it's going to feel a bit strange to push people from your Twitter to another platform and you can do the exact same function on the native app. So now Clubhouse is going to have to work like a lot of other social media apps to add features that aren't available on the pre-existing powerhouses. So that people say, well, I'm willing to go over there because it's better for whatever reason. 
And at the same time, Twitter is going to be working to do the same thing for their own spaces. I don't have access to the thing yet. Uh, I would love to give it a shot. I think it would be cool to hang out. Uh, I guess I could join in, but as far as hosting a space, yeah, I'll be looking for that feature to roll out more widely. And then I might, I don't know, I might jump in. I mean, I don't know. Okay. You might even jump in there. Yeah, sure, I'll jump. You might even find yourself in a space. Yeah. It's possible. Netflix is cracking down on password sharing. You see a ghost over there? <laughs> no, I was just making sure. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, so you did. Yeah. You need your own account to keep watching. Dun, dun, dun. Have you ever shared a Netflix account, Well, Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Yeah, I mean, I use my sister's account. Woo! Admitted, admitting it in front uh, of everybody. Yeah. You're dead. I'm getting cracked down. Yeah, you're dead. They're going to crack down. They're going to start with down. you now that you've admitted it. Yeah. So they've been talking about this for a while, but people were questioning, all right, how serious are you actually? What are you really going to do? The streaming platform and production giant is attempting a trial crackdown by sending pop-up messages to those they think are watching by way of someone else's account. Have you, you haven't got a message yet? I don't think so, no. I was using it last night. Okay. The prompt tells customers, if you don't live with the owner of this account, you need your own account to keep watching. Hmm. Ooh, shots fired. Yeah. And it's interesting language as well. They're saying, they're essentially saying it's okay to share if you in, live in the same house. Yeah. Otherwise, and that's easy for them to track, right? You just got IP addresses and uh -huh. they, they know you're not at your sister's house. Yeah. So you're going to get one of these messages soon. In order to continue, you'll need to verify your account with an email or text code or create a new account within with a 30-day free trial. These are the rules. This is what they're going to hit you with. The, te the test is designed to help ensure that people using Netflix accounts are authorized to do so. So they're going to phrase it like, we just want to make sure nobody, there's no shady sure. business going on. Yeah. But ultimately, you think of all the extra money that they're missing out on with the shared accounts. Uh-huh. It's quite a few dollars globally. Yeah, especially when uh, there's price hikes. So let's get down to the brass tacks, Willie Do. Uh oh. Let's get down to brass tacks. Oh. Netflix comes into your, gives you a little notification there uh. tonight because you're on there, kicks you out. It says enough. It's your sister's account and we know it. Here are your options. You're going to answer right now. You pony up, start your own account, pay the piper. You try to circumvent it somehow. I don't know. Talk to your sister. Would ExpressVPN work in this case? Hey, man. No, I don't think it would because no. you would still be, oh, my God. Could you VPN to your sister's exact geography? I don't know. Mm. It's very, that's very precise, right? As far as an IP yeah. is concerned. I don't think it'll work. So forget that option. Uh, here's the question. Are you going to pony up the money or are you going to live without Netflix if they hit you with that? How much is it now? Do you know? A few dollars, man. I'm going to say like 12 bucks or something. I don't know because I have the extreme advanced account that everybody uses. I have so many users on mine and yeah. 4K and I have, mine is probably more like 15 or 16 bucks. I want to say. I don't even look at it, to be honest with you. 
I'm gonna uh, guess that you're gonna pay for a single user. Do you need 4K? Yeah. Oh, there you go. How much Netflix got? Oh, you're gonna you're gonna pay. This, if, these are Canadian prices. Canadian uh, price. Nine dollars and eighteen dollars. Nine dollars to start, all the way up to eighteen. Now, depending where you are in the world, is different prices. But sure. this is what you're facing. The the top. I would have to get the high price, right? Eighteen to get the 4K. Spicy. What's your answer, sir? Sure, I'll pony up. Wow, ladies and gentlemen, Netflix wins this round. He ponies up, and that means that. What does that mean? Nothing I don't know. Really, not much. I guess. It, I guess it means that Netflix plan works. They know you'll pony up. Yeah. See, it wouldn't work if you were sitting there saying, "It I only watch it because I got it on my sister's account." But you're not. You're watching it and willing to pay for it. So therefore, they should be cracking down. Sure. Yeah. If you weren't willing to pay for it, then cracking down doesn't serve much of a purpose because you're not going to be a customer anyway. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? And then you wouldn't come in here and be like, "Lou, did you see the thing on Netflix?" And then I have to be like, "Okay, I'll go watch." You know. See what I mean? I don't like watch Netflix. Promoting the, exactly. You. You're promoting the, the platform as well, which yeah. Anyway, you seen this Roblox stuff? What uh, do you know about Roblox? My uh, nephew plays it a lot. That's I mean, this I this stuff is really. huge. Uh, recent IPO, forty five billion dollar IPO. Wednesday stock offering values the user created game platform form higher than EA. What is it hype? Is it is it just like is it because it's fresh and new? I mean, I saw people uh, talking about it on social media. Have you watched like any gameplay on it? Yeah, of course, I've seen it. Oh, it's Very all strange. All these little games inside of the game, and yeah, and uh, yeah, you're some sort of character, and you could be whatever you want, kind of thing. You see this chart here, it's really, and you look at a funny. market cap in billions. And you have Roblox bigger than EA, Take Two, Ubisoft, not even close. Ubisoft, $9.58 billion. The only bigger market cap, at least in this chart, is Activision at $72 billion, But Ro Roblox goes right to $45 billion. And I don't even know what the monetization situation is. Or does it even matter? They have such high targets for performance and such a large user base. They'll figure it out, maybe. Uh you look at some other charts, total hours spent playing Roblox in billions, in billions of hours over the years from 2018 up to 2020. I mean, it is pretty, I'll say that is pretty wild. And oh, here we go. Total Roblox net loss. Go to this one. $253 million lost. Who cares? They're going to figure it out. I guess that's what investors are thinking over here. How do they lose so much? Well, I assume that they're expanding. I believe their model their is to overhead. actually build out their own servers. I believe they have a very pricey model with a lot of upfront cost in order to not depend on the fees associated with outsourcing that to the other brands that you're used to hearing. Hmm. I think it's a little more upfront in order to achieve that. The next slide is actually kind of interesting, which is the distribution of players by age. You can see the largest chunk of players is in the 9 to 12 category. Mm. 9 to 12 years old, 29%. And 25% are under the age of 9. So very young user base. Only 14% are 25 years or older. That's surprising too. It just looks like a kid's game. That's all I can say. 
Oh, I see what you're saying. I think you can do a lot in it. You can do pretty much whatever you want in it. Or maybe, yeah, there's I think there's building like, levels. Yes, and I think there's clones of more mature games inside the game, and hmm. it's just endless. But from what I've heard, they have really big ambition to become more adult, or at least to attract more adults as well as kids. And that's part of the reason I guess people are excited. But they got to, I mean, look at this. Revenue in 2020, almost a billion dollars. That's not profit, but it's quite. they are if they have figured out some revenue situation and the user base continues to grow. So it's like this thing about gaming in general, isn't it? Well, where it's so hot right now that it's an easy thing to bet on because it seems like it's, it's, it's all going up. So it's an easy thing to bet on. And here you have this fresh opportunity with an IPO and you say to yourself, I'll take a look. Yeah. And Roblox not complaining. This next one is very bizarre. Would you ever imagine attempting to watch a Christopher Nolan film on a Game Boy Advance? Would I? Um, no. Well, this guy did it sort of as a challenge. It's a YouTuber, fellow YouTuber. Hello, YouTuber. Wolfden is the name. And he actually did it out of spite. He, or at least he did it as a challenge because Nolan had said, Theater. You got to go see in the theater. And people were like, I can't really get to the theater. It's 2020. A little bit tough. Huh. And then the movie tanked. And, and then Warner Brothers was like, oh, yeah, we're going to be dealing with HBO Max and all that stuff. And it's just Nolan hates it if you watch it on anything but the movie theater, right? Yeah. Which I get it, whatever. I mean, you spend so much effort on the thing that you want people to have the optimal experience. But then you it's get so guys dark. like... Yeah, then you get guys like this that, <laughs> as a joke, figure out how to put it on a Game Boy Advance just to bug you. Because that's what the internet does, right? Yeah. Crazy part here is it had to be split up into five different cartridges, I think. Oh, right. <laughs> Wolf then shows in this video the perfect place to watch Tenet is actually on a Nintendo handheld in the safety of your own home. The movie uses five cartridges. Yeah, you can play a little bit of the video. It looks terrible. It's probably the worst way you could possibly watch the film. And he actually states that in the movie or in the YouTube video himself. If there's any clips of the screen actually playing back the film, you can see it's so dark and low resolution. <laughs> yeah, go there. <laughs> oh, uh, Christopher Nolan has nightmares about such things. I think, I mean, he would much prefer you not to see the movie if this was the way you were going to watch it, uh -huh. right? Obviously. But I kind of, there is a sort of a weird cool factor for me of this super old device displaying a really new high-end piece of content. Hmm. I don't know what it is. It's, it just feels a little novel, like kind of uh, old meets new and sure. retro, uh, retro tech and... I don't know. I, maybe I just like the the design as well of the Game Boy Advance SP, the little flipping thing. Mm. We don't have anything that looks like that in tech anymore. It was so simple. Yeah. In, so few buttons and... Anyway, point being, look, he even got the stickers on the thing. 
that's an added touch, is it not? Yeah, kind of like part two of five kind of thing. I mean, you're switching cartridges. So let's say it's a two-hour movie, roughly. I didn't watch it yet. Huh. Is it a two-hour movie? Yeah. Anyway, so you got to divide right. that by you're switching cartridges all the time. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Shout out to Wolf Den on YouTube. China and Russia are revealing a joint plan for a lunar space station. Space hype extends outside of the private American companies or NASA. It apparently goes into China and Russia as well. Remember the space race, Will? Yeah. Who's going to get there? Who's going to do what? Yeah. Well, That's they're going to they're land gonna, on the moon. Yeah, or something like that, you know. Lunar space station. That's cool. Look at the... Uh, Look at these guys. Russian space agency Roscosmos, Roscosmos said in a statement Tuesday it has signed an agreement with China's National Space Administration to build a complex of experimental research facilities created on the surface and or in the orbit of the moon. A moon station, Will. Cool. They said it would carry out multidisciplinary and multi-purpose research work, including the exploration and use of the moon, lunar observations, fundamental research experiments, and technology verification with the possibility of long-term unmanned operation with the prospect of a human presence on the moon. You know, it's funny. You hear something like this and you realize, oh, yeah, the moon, so much more feasible yeah, it's shorter distance than so Mars. So close. It's you know? not as fun as Mars, and it's kind of bland. There's not a lot of going on there, or n not as much compared to Mars, and uh -huh. cer certainly not sustainable from a life perspective without some tremendous number of supplies and things. Like I think the cool part about Mars is that there, there is frozen stuff. They could thaw the frozen stuff and then... Frozen stuff. Like mi so. mineral yeah. water, min sure. minerals and ice and... yeah. And whatever else, if they could get, find a way to get there. energy in there, no, they would have to create the atmosphere. There isn't much of an atmosphere on Mars, if if at all, actually. Are there clouds? No, I don't actually. Mm -hmm. Let's we we should verify this. I don't think Mars does. Mars have an atmosphere? I don't think so. It's much thinner than Earth's. Okay, the red planet's atmosphere contains more than ninety-five percent carbon dioxide and much less than 1% of oxygen. People would not be able to breathe the air on Mars. Okay, so it has a very thin atmosphere. I think the atmosphere needs work. <laughs> but I guess that's what humans would have to figure out when they got there. Anyway, I guess the point I'm trying to say is if you want to do a permanent base that isn't in orbit and you want to do it in the cosmos somewhere, it would seem like figure the moon out have a permanent location there. Yeah. That could I wonder, be a beta I wonder, I wonder why it hasn't been, and, and there's like not very much interest there. Yeah, they could practice. There must be sending some. Sending robots. There must be some reason. Know. There must be some reason. The dark side of the moon? I don't know. Scary stuff, Will. Uh-huh. But they've been there, or have they? <laughs> <laughs> Remember we were talking about 3D printed homes? Well, we have uh, some more of them popping up. These ones in Austin, Texas, for four hundred fifty thousand. Hmm. Printing process takes about a week. What do you think about the styling on this one? Yeah, I would definitely go for this one. 
It looks it, very modern. It's a pretty cool styling to it. You can see if you look at the uh, garage section on the right, then you can see the 3D printed layers. But it looks like elsewhere they've put some siding on there uh-huh. to make it look more like a regular house and not like it was 3D printed with concrete. But uh, yeah, we were we were see, we were showing off 3D printed homes actually in I believe it was upstate New York, around 2,000 feet. Oh no. That one was actually only 1,200 feet. But yeah, play this clip. This is cool. This this illustrates the idea. So it's pouring the concrete in a similar fashion to how 3D printer works. This giant... Uh, extruder? Tool, tool, extruder, sure. Yeah, extruding, in this case, instead of some sort of plastic material, concrete, in layers, which dry rapidly and build on top of one another. And like I said earlier, in about a week, you got yourself a home. And and as far as laying out the home, maximizing the space, figuring out the rooms, there's some pretty cool advantages here. And it's very precise, you know. can't really make a mistake if it's just printing layers. Mm. You kind of just watch it go and then... Uh, yeah, they, they, they mostly monitor it. Yeah, uh, you probably the material's have the same. Less of a less of a crew size. Now, there's all kinds of finishing that has to go on, right? This sort of just, it acts as a, like a skeleton, really. Right, yeah. The rooms and the exterior walls. Yeah. The, anyway, this particular development is a new development in East Austin, and they're selling four houses using Icon's uh, printing technology here, starting at 450000 Icon 3D printed the first floor of each of the two to four bedroom houses. So I guess there's conventional construction to build the upper floors. So mm. this is a hybrid situation. That might be the reason you like the look of it. I think it's cool either way, and I'm all for new technologies if it can in- improve efficiency. You like these houses. Yeah, they're very uh, modern. Mm. Uh, it's the only way I can describe it. Yeah, Yeah, modern technology and a modern look. It's almost like when you do the base out of concrete, it's almost like an above-ground basement. Hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. A lot of places, he, here we all have basements mostly. Uh-huh. And the reason being is well, you got the winter and everything like this, the freezing and the thawing and the shifting of the ground and things. A lot of places don't even have a basement, but I got to believe that if you have a concrete base to your house and it's all built above ground, that's going to give you some some pretty nice stability Pretty nice construction as far yeah. as robustness. Oh, are are you starting to not even mind the walls? Yeah, it has like a nice pattern. Cause last time you said that it does no good on the interior. Yeah, I I don't remember how they looked. It didn't look like this though. Maybe it's the uh hey, the furnishings. Yeah. The, the furnishings got you. The nice pastel yeah, the colors design. and the, yeah, they got you, Will. So they've done two dozen houses and structures across the US and Mexico. Many are inhabited, and I, the prices are attractive. 450000 well, at least around here. It's actually, in Austin, that's the median house price, so they're competitive. Hmm. Well, I'm trying to say, even in that market, they're competitive. Scientists may have solved ancient mystery of the first computer. Whoa, look at this thing. Researchers claim breakthrough in study of 2,000-year-old Antikythera mechanism an astronomical calculator found in the sea wow that looks cool this is like some kind of uh i was watching the guy on youtube 
Chris Ramsey. Have you ever seen his channel? Yeah. Yeah, with the always with the puzzle boxes. The puzzles. Magic. Yeah, my kids love that channel. And uh, this reminds me of one of those contraptions. Yes. This is very much you see the cogs and gears and twisting and turning. But I don't know exactly like what makes it a computer here. Let's see. From the moment it was discovered more than a century ago, scholars have been puzzled over the Antikythera mechanism, a remarkable and baffling astronomical calculator from the ancient world. 2,000 years old, hand-powered. It displayed the motion of the universe, predicting the movement of five known planets, the phases of the moon and the solar and lunar eclipses. But how it achieves such impressive feats has proved fiendishly hard to untangle. Now, researchers at UCL believe they have solved the mystery, at least in part, and have set about reconstructing the device, gear, gear wheels, and all to test whether their proposal works and if they can build a replica with modern machinery. Holy cow. Hmm. Im imagine. Those look like uh, planets over yes. here. 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, Wow! you're sitting there and you're like, you know what we're going to build here? We're going to build the world's first computer. It's going to be hand-powered, but it's going to predict the locations of planets accurately. Yeah, we high-five high each other and then we build it. And we just build that. Yeah. Holy cow, lovely. The mechanism often described as the world's first analog computer was found by sponge divers in 1901 amid a haul of treasures salvaged from a merchant ship that met with disaster off the Greek island of Antikythera. Battered fragments. I mean, you can see the state of the actual one. Obviously, there's going to be a tremendous amount of work to recreate the working version as it would have been. 2,000 years ago mm. but that will be cool to see when they achieve such a thing because well I mean that's a feat of engineering given the timeline Chris Ramsey can take a look at it they should send it to him uh -huh. because he's the guy he'll put the GoPro on and yep. set it up and the he'll only the only problem is I think this is not actually a puzzle it's just <laughs> you give them the pieces I think you just hand power it there and then go. it displays the projections it's like a, a, cal a calculator of sorts yeah uh but certainly if there were any um puzzle aspect to it he'd be your guy hmm. he's from i think he's from toronto as well I by the way so. yeah. I, I, we should invite him on this show okay we should we should put a chair right here invite him on this show and oh, we can okay. uh talk about cryptic things and sure uh, scientists find a natural protein that stops allergies and autoimmune conditions. Huh. I got this one for you, Will. You got the allergy, remember? Uh, yeah. I have the nut allergy. Yeah, I solved it. This protein? Yeah, I solved I it. just eat it? That's right. Okay. No, no, they got to inject it. Oh. So it's not even just allergies. It's also autoimmune conditions, including things like lupus. Now, it's early stages right now. I believe they were testing it on... Which mammal were they testing it on? Probably a, probably a, a mouse, wouldn't it be? 
Yeah. Using transgenic mice and cultures of cells taken from human tonsils, researchers have now found evidence of how our bodies might defend against the mistakes that result in conditions such as asthma, food allergies, and lupus. They found a protein called neuritin produced by immune cells, and it acts like an inbuilt boss-level antihistamine. Those are the that would be the drug you would take in order to combat an allergic reaction. Mm. Uh, so even even those seasonal ones and things like this with the pollens and right. whatever sensitivities you got going on. There are over 80 autoimmune diseases. In many of them, we find antibodies that bind to our own tissues and attack us instead of targeting pathogens, the viruses and bacteria. This is how you, how you get these autoimmune things to begin with. We found that neurotin suppresses formation of rogue plasma cells, which are the cells that produce the harmful antibodies. So here's what they do. They have to inject it. Mice without the ability to produce neurotin had an increased chance of dying from anaphylaxis, an allergic reaction. Um, but TFR-deficient mice treated with neurotin appeared healthy. Yes, what they did is they injected neuritin into the veins and had the striking results. Hmm. Now, we have to wait and see. They got to find out what's going to happen, obviously, with the humans. They don't go straight to the humans, Well, It's risky. Mm -hmm. You go to the mice, you see how the mice uh, make out, and then Willie Do's next in line. Me? Well, you got to get over. No, they go with pigs. Oh, okay. Go to a pig and then go to Willie Do. Sure. And and just fix up the uh, well, fix your right up. I'm just scarfing down O Henry's. Yeah, it'll fix your right yeah. up. Imagine. Oh yeah, let's say if your nut allergy was cured, what's the first thing you're gonna reach for? Probably a chocolate bar. It would be right. They yeah. had a lot of peanut based chocolate bars. Uh-huh. You're right about that. That's a yeah. good call. All right, last one of the day because you canceled my favorite segment. Mo, did you hear he canceled the favorite segment? This is unbelievable. I actually, I would like to start a petition. Ladies and gentlemen, before I do the last story here today, if you're a fan of Lou Later, then you know my favorite segment and your favorite segment is something called the Willie Do Wild Card, which happens at the end of each show. But Will decided to have a little protest today, and he yelled and screamed at me and said that the segment was over after what happened happened on the last episode. I said to him, are you kidding me? That stuff is top-tier content. And this is exactly what people are here for. So please, in the comments section, tell me, tell us how important Willie Do, Willie Do's wild card is to this show. I'm looking right at you. I'm looking down the lens. We need to hear it. If there's enough comments and enough likes on this video, I don't know what the number is. One. If, if this video gets one like, <laughs> we're bringing it back. That's all it takes to catch Will's attention. Uh, anyway, this is the last story since we don't have a Willie Do wild card. This is uh, some Uber riders. I don't understand this. Well, I don't get this really. Why is it? Why are the why are the riders in Uber vehicles always so in these type of clips? Why do, why are they always so aggravated? Have you have you seen these clips? It's on the dash cam, and the Uber drivers just doing their thing, and then the people in the in the back are. I don't know, doing something wrong. And then oh. and then the Uber driver's like, you know what? Can you please get out of the vehicle? I don't want to give you a ride. And then the people, they flip out. Yeah. They flip out. I'm just trying to imagine myself. Now, maybe I'm uh, not that. Uh, As a passenger or the Uber driver? Well, either. 
Okay. No, I mean, in this case, I meant passenger. Mm -hmm. But I don't understand the issue. If you got an issue with this guy that's driving to begin with, you're aggravated. Why don't you want to get out of the car and catch another ride? If, if they want you out of their car, why do you want to stay in it? <laughs> like, it's, that's so much tension. Mm -hmm. Why don't you be like, okay, cool. We disagree. Whatever our issue was, it's, I guess this is not obviously, well, you wouldn't have clips like this if that's what people were doing. This clip takes it to another level because I'm guessing what happened here. He was upset that the one girl was refusing to wear the mask. Oh. And then she goes on to cough on him on purpose and say she has COVID and she's coughing on him. And then she rips his mask off. Oh. And then she takes his phone. Oh. And it's just, it's really rough. I mean, play, play the clip. Go ahead. Play the clip. You tell me what's going on, man. Is there audio? Yeah, there's audio. Play the clip. Yeah. What do you want? You want me to turn it up? I got audio. Okay. Play the clip. No, fuck the mess. Like, I just, I can't. I don't get it. I actually don't get it. I understand people have uh, quarrels with one another. People don't agree. I don't understand why you want to get into it with the Uber driver. I just, it of all oh, the things. Broke, it, broke the mask too. He's just driving the car. Like, how does this even transpire? If he's saying to me, you know, I don't like the fact that you don't have the mask. And I think what they were arguing is you should have told us that before we got in or something. That I believe that was the argument. There's another video clip from the backseat. But I just don't, I don't see it. For me, I'm like, okay, fine. Never mind. You don't have the business then. I'll I'll go with somebody else, right? Mm -hmm. But 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 it's just the people are so frustrated and close to conflict. A complete stranger in a car, no backstory, and then to take it to the degree of taking a phone, well, violence, and well, baby violence Assault. and coughing on a person, and I I just. Uh, I mean, I I know people are frustrated these days, especially, but it's just, uh, I mean, it sucks to watch, really. Now, granted, the driver has got the recording, so there have been, there have actually been assault charges, I believe, filed. Yeah, one has been arrested for assault. Malaysia King. And that doesn't seem worth it for that individual either. I mean, everybody loses here. Yeah. The San Francisco Police Department says Malaysia King is in custody. She reportedly is the woman wearing red in a viral video showing the riders coughing and snatching the driver's phone and mask. So that's actually not the girl that did the most. The girl on the right did, and I guess they haven't found her to arrest her yet. Oh, yeah, they're looking. Law enforcement says another suspect, Arna Kimi Kimi. Told SFPD through her lawyer that she plans to turn herself in soon. <laughs> this Just went down. Hold on for a second. This went down on Sunday in San Francisco, but King was actually arrested in by Las Vegas Police Department. Wow. So wow. I this is just not the way to do it. That's not the way to do it. Will no. I am fairly confident. That's not a way to do it. Okay. 